The first Bible reading tonight comes from 2 Chronicles, chapter 26, which can be found on page 324 of your Bibles. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father, Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jacola. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. He went to war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabneh, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gerbal and against the Meunites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the desert and dug many cisterns, because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Uzziah had a well-trained army, ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers, as mustered by Jeel the secretary and Messiah the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armour, bows and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made machines designed by skilful men for use on the towers and on the corner defences to shoot arrows and hurl large stones. His fame spread far and wide for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted him and said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honoured by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. 
When Azariah the chief priest and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Uzziah rested with his fathers and was buried near them in a field for burial that belonged to the kings, for people said he had leprosy, and Jotham his son succeeded him as king. The second reading tonight is from James. It's 4, 1 to 6 on page 855. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Good evening, everyone. My name's Steve. It's great to be with you here uh, tonight. We've got two one-off talks for the next two weeks. Uh, Tonight we look at pride, uh, and next week we look at the flip side, humility. Some problems are easily identified. A couple of years ago, I had a, a work Christmas party before I was working here, and as I got on the bus to go home, I just wanted to die. I, um... At the party, I'd had some dodgy chicken, and uh, I'd even known that the chicken was dodgy, and I was just hungry, and I thought, what's a bit of raw chicken going to do? And my body predictably hit the eject button, um, and uh, there were no surprises to what happened next. Other problems are a little bit harder to identify. Uh, Earlier this year, I just felt really off. I had a fuzzy head all the time. I felt dizzy, um, and just not right. And it was really hard to explain. There was nothing different on the outside. You know, no one would kind of notice. Um, and hard to describe to the doctor. But thankfully, the, the kind of doctor knew what was going on. It was just side effects from a cold. Don't worry. I'm okay. Uh, but this was a problem that was far more complex to try and identify. And Sin can be like this sometimes. And nothing more so than the sin of pride. Pride, arrogance, or a word that we only really hear in the Bible, haughtiness. 
this sin can be so difficult to detect in our lives. You know, if I ask you, do you struggle to tell the truth? You can kind of look back over your week and think, well, you know, did I say truthful things or did I say false things? But if I say to you, do you struggle with pride? What are the signs of that? How do you pick up on pride in your own life? You know, perhaps it's a difficult thing to detect because pride is so prevalent. It just attacks us at every corner. Charles Spurgeon said, There is nothing into which the heart of man so easily falls as pride. He goes on to say that there is no more vice which is, so more, which is more frequently, more emphatically, and more eloquently condemned in the Scriptures. And you know, as I've kind of poured over the Scriptures uh, preparing for tonight, um, it's just become so clear how true that statement is. And that verse that Jonathan just read for us, James 4, 6, is just such a convicting verse, isn't it? God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. You know, over and over again, we don't have time to look at all the verses tonight, but this truth of God's opposition to pride is repeated throughout the Bible. 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-eight, You save the humble but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. And this is such a constant theme throughout Scripture. In fact, it's hard to find a sin more repeatedly and emphatically condemned. And as if there was any doubt, Proverbs 16.5 emphatically describes God's attitude to the proud. It says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. God, um, God isn't neutral on pride. God hates pride. God detests pride. And God opposes the proud. And he will bring them low. You know, as I reflected on these pass- passages, I just thought, who wants God opposing them? Of all the people to oppose you, God is surely the last on the list, isn't he? But God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So tonight we're just going to examine this this small word uh, with huge implications, pride, considering what it is, why God hates it, and how with God's help we can put this this vice to death. Uh, I'm no expert on pride, I'm just as proud, if not prouder, than anyone else here tonight. And we don't want to be proud to think that I've got the answers, although we can figure this out on our own. So we're going to ask God, it's his word and his power, to speak to us tonight on this topic. Please uh, pray with me. Almighty God, you, you love us. And in your love, you've spoken the truth. You've given us the truth in your word. Father, you've told us that you hate pride. You oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Father, tonight would you help us to see pride as you see it? Would you just place that finger in our lives and convict us of any pride that exists? And by your grace, would you empower us by your spirit to rid our lives of pride and pursue humility? For the name and the fame of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
Uh, before we define exactly what pride is, which was, to be honest, um, a big challenge for me this week, let's clarify what pride isn't. You know, pride is something in the English language and, uh, again, in the Bible, that has some positive and, and negative uses. You know, it's not necessarily pride to take pleasure in being praised. When someone praises us, we're not meant to kind of feel dirty and you know, like we've done the wrong thing. It's not necessarily pride to feel admiration for a child or for a job well done or something particularly good that we may have achieved. These things aren't necessarily pride. But sinful pride is always close at hand. And here's a definition to sum up what the Bible says about pride. Pride is placing your ego at the center of the universe. Pride is placing your ego at the center of the universe. And why is this such a, a big problem? Quite simply because there is a, a center of the universe and it's not you. It's God. That's why God hates pride. Friends, the universe, life, history, the present, the future, eternity is all about God. Everything is about God. It's all about God and all he is and all he's done and his all-surpassing greatness. And pride takes that camera which is focused in on God and how majestic and wonderful it is and it goes, take a look at me. Aren't I amazing? And pride takes all that attention and it focuses it off God and back onto self. My reputation, my career, my achievements, my abilities, my strength, my accomplishments, my reputation, my education, my relationships, my appearance, me, 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 me. And for this reason, uh, pride is the start of all sin. It is the heart of all sin. And it is, as John Stott said, trespass into forbidden territory to take glory that belongs only to God. The devil was proud when he said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And he was banished from the presence of God. Adam and Eve were proud when they ignored God's instruction and they ate that apple and they were banished from the garden. And King Uzziah, who Alyssa read for us from 2 Chronicles 26 tonight, was proud. And it's to him and his story we turn as we look at this topic this evening. Please, um, if they're not already open, please make sure your Bible is turned back to 2 Chronicles 26. We're going to spend a little bit more time here together. Let's have a look from verse 1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Ilath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. 
So basically what, what's happened is that um, Uzziah's father's dead, he's been killed, um, and Uzziah has come to the throne um, at the age of 16. And Uzziah's name means Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength. And the early days of his kingship reveal a dependence on God, that God was indeed his strength. If we keep reading, verse 4, Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Here, right from the start, God is the center of Uzziah's universe. God has that rightful place. And we see what this looks like. Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He obeyed God's instructions. He walked in the light that God directed him in and he lived to please God. We saw he was instructed in the fear of God. You know, this wasn't some unbridled terror, but a healthy acknowledgement that there is a God who is the center of the universe, an awesome God, and he knows his place before this God. And thirdly, we read that he sought God. He didn't ignore God. He didn't rely on his own strength or wisdom or ability, but he turned to God. He pointed his life in the direction of God and relied on him. He did what all of us were created to do, and that is live in complete dependence on the God who created us. And what happened? It's a great picture. God greatly helped him. And Uzziah prospered with land, with victories, with a huge, well-trained army and excellent equipment. It's a picture of God's grace and blessing on his life as he lived rightly under God's rule. But friends, what happens next is sadly at the heart of our human experience. As we continue reading from verse 16, After Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted him and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn the incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence, before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out in his forehead. And when Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, and so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave, because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Uzziah rested with his fathers, was buried, buried near them in a field for burial that belonged to the kings. For people said he had leprosy, and Jotham, his son, succeeded him as king. It's just a devastating picture of a downfall triggered by pride. 
God was the center of Isaiah's universe. And God provided him with everything. He richly blessed him. Land and possessions and armies. A great picture of blessing and of God's care on his life. And instead of this prompting Uzziah to continue to put all his trust and dependence on the God who gives graciously, Uzziah walks up and just pushes God straight out of the picture and then he steps onto the throne himself. God, I'll take over from here. It's a terrible, terrible picture. Let me ask you, what did Uzziah have to be proud of? Had he become king because of his own ability? Had he prospered because of his own strength? Had his land and his people developed because of his incredible intellect? Of course not. The passage is clear that it was the Lord who gave him success. He was greatly helped by God. Uzziah could take none of the credit. Let me ask you this. What do you have to be proud of? Oh, so many things come into our heart and fill us with pride, don't they? Your job and successful career that you've built up over many years. Is it the pride of saying where you went to school? Is it the pride of the people you know, the great collection of contacts you have? Is it your intellect, how clever you are? Is it how good you are, so much better than other people? Is it your beauty? Compare with anyone else, you are stunning. Is it your ability to sing, to cook, to run? Is it your superior parenting ability? Is it how well respected you are by your peers? Do you look at your bank account and swell with pride at what you have accumulated for yourself? We boast in these things, don't we? Often not outwardly, but often in our hearts. We speak about these things when we're given the opportunity. Oh, we love to be acknowledged and praised and honoured for these things. Jobs, wealth, success, education, relationships, talents, abilities, beauty, accomplishments, family, goodness. Friends, which of these things did you get apart from God? Do you have that job that you have because you're awesome or because God gave it to you? Is that money in your bank account there because you are incredibly successful or because... God gave you the ability to make money. You're beautiful because of your own ability. Was God kind in giving you good looks? Do you know those people because you are a wonderful person or because God graciously gave you those relationships? What do any of us have that hasn't been graciously given to us from God? Well, from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever. And yet, 
how quick we can be to steal this glory from God and take it for ourselves. We steal that glory from the one who is worthy of all honor and glory and praise. And we take it for ourselves. And don't we hate it in other situations, a work situation. You've done all the work and someone comes in at the last minute and says, it was all me. I did this. You're like, what? I was the one who did this work. And yet that is so quickly and so frequently what we do with God is we dethrone him and we take this glory that only deserves to him and we pour it on ourselves. Friends, while pride originates in the heart, we see in Uzziah a couple of ways that pride so easily manifests itself in our lives. Let's just take a look at a couple of them. Firstly, a proud person rejects God's instruction. Uzziah knew God's law. He knew the instructions that God had given. He knew that only priests were able to go into this holy place, this temple, and burn the incense. But Uzziah arrogantly strolls into the temple to do what ought not to be done. He was puffed up with his own importance. And for the proud person, God's instruction isn't something to be obeyed, but at best it's some advice to be considered. The proud person presumes to know better than God. And we see this in our own lives, don't we, sometimes? God has given us his word. God has spoken to us. Oh, we consider it and we discuss it and we mull over it. Anything except humbly accepting this word and obeying it as the word of God that it is. Let me encourage you to consider where you might be proudly standing over God's word and ignoring his instruction, considering it merely advice and not the very words of God himself. Secondly, a proud person doesn't need God. Characteristic of Uzziah's reign as king until his downfall was that he sought God. His life was lived in dependence on God. But in his pride, Uzziah has no need for God anymore. He will carry on in his own strength. And I find this point particularly convicting and I dare say it's convicting for many of us here today about how prayerless we can be as, as this reflects on our lack of dependence on God. How infrequently we may seek God in our weeks, in our lives, for everything that we need. There is no greater expression of our dependence on God than prayer, is there? Our need for Him each and every day. And yet we are not a culture known for our prayerfulness. Now we have our central prayer meetings here five, six times a year. And often there's fewer people at the prayer meetings than there are here at Saturday night. And the whole of church is invited to the prayer meeting. We're not a culture that loves to pray. Now prayerlessness is a symptom of our pride as we depend on ourselves and our own strength instead of God. And we say to God in our hearts, if not out loud, God, I'm all good for the moment. I'll give you a buzz if I need anything. And of course, we'd never say that out loud. It just sounds stupid. 
But that is what our pride in prayerlessness does. Finally, a, a proud person refuses to listen and to be corrected. Stuck out so strongly, didn't it, in this passage? You know, Isaiah, Isaiah waltzes into the temple. The priests come to him. Get out of here. It is not right what you are doing. You are not authorized to come into this place. Does he listen? You know, Uzziah is confronted and instead of humbly walking away, he gets angry, pulls the censer out of his hand and starts raging at the priests. The proud person cannot listen because they are always right. The proud person cannot be wrong. The proud person cannot be challenged. The proud person cannot be corrected. The proud person always has to have the last word in an argument. Are you a proud person? The proud person, when confronted with their sin, doesn't humbly reflect, but in their defensiveness gets angry. And anger is so prevalent in pride as we lash out to defend our own reputation and name. We cannot be slighted. Our name must be defended and upheld above all other names. I humbly ask you, does any of this sound like you? Are any of these signs of pride evident in your life? And the consequences for Uzziah were predictable. Did exactly as God said would happen to the proud. Uzziah is brought low. He gets leprosy. He leaves the palace. He is excluded from the temple. He died and he was buried in a field, away from where the king should have been buried. James 4.6, God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You know, friends, I hate how easily pride creeps into my life. I chose to preach on pride because of God just convicting me of what a problem it is. I hate how easily it takes my focus off God and his supremacy. I hate how easily pride steals the glory that belongs to God alone. Do you hate these things too? God gives grace to the humble. And friends, there is no greater pride killer no greater power to pursue humility than the cross of Christ. Because on, the cross of, on that cross, we see King Jesus who came in humility to die for the proud. He wasn't proud. He humbled himself and came down to hang on that cross. And no one kneels before the cross of Christ and looks up and thinks, I'm incredible. No one boasts of their accomplishments, their achievements, their success, their wealth, before King Jesus. Oh, all they say, all you can say before Jesus is thank you. I am a terrible sinner who has been saved by a marvelous Savior. That's what we say before the cross of Christ. And friends, this cross gives us freedom from living a life that is all about us and spreads out our perspective to see that God is at the center of this universe and that everything is about him. And suddenly we don't need to worry about ourselves. We don't need to worry about what other people think about us. We can confess our sins to one another. 
We can stop boasting about ourselves and can start boasting about God and all that he has done. We can be quick to admit our weaknesses because it doesn't matter what people think. We can stop comparing ourselves with others. We can stop striving for the praise and admiration of others because God loves us. And in all things... We can strive by the grace of God to give him the glory that deserves to him, not to you and not to me. Our brothers and sisters, let us survey that wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. Our richest gain we count but loss and we pour contempt on all of our pride. Forbid it, Lord, that we should boast. Save in the death of Christ our God the very things that charm us most. We sacrifice them to his blood.